All right, Hebrews chapter 11, let's pray and we'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We know that the words of man are a waste of time, so we ask that you would speak less of me, more of you, that you would be glorified. Pray for everybody here. If they're new here today, I pray they would feel welcomed and loved. I pray if anybody's here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. And I pray for all of us that we would leave here more in love with you, with a greater passion to walk in the center of your will, to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. Lord, be glorified. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. first 10 chapters of the book of Hebrews is on the supremacy of Christ, that Jesus is better. We talked about this. If you've been here, he's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than the high priest. And the reason that the book of Hebrews was written largely, it's, a, it's got the second most doctrine, in my opinion, in the whole New Testament, only besides behind Romans. And the book was mainly written because there were those in the first century church who were largely from a Jewish background, who once persecution came, and once there was you know, family that was drawing them back. So they had, they had family that were coming after them, and they had the world that was seeking to kill them. And in the midst of all of that, the temple was still there, and there was a drawing to go back to that old way of worship. And the temple was God's plan until Jesus came. And once Jesus came, the old covenant was made obsolete. That's what the Bible tells us. Now, we love the Old Testament. Don't confuse that with the old covenant. The Old Testament, all of it points to Jesus. I encourage you to come out on Thursday nights. We'll be in 2 Kings chapter 8. The Old Testament rocks. Can I get an amen? I want to encourage you to come out for that. And then we've seen so far him just focusing on the supremacy of Christ. Why would you leave Jesus to go back to the blood of bulls and goats? Why would you leave Jesus to go back to the temple? Why would you leave the great high priest seated at the right hand of the Father to go back to a high priest that was fallible, who had to make, uh, you know, had to make his own sacrifice for himself? So then we get to chapter 11. So now that we know Jesus is better, now that we know the supremacy of Jesus Christ, now we get some examples of people who lived that way. And this was an example, an exhortation to those first century Christians, reminding them of people who had lived under the old covenant, who had faithfully served God. If you were here last week, we looked at the first 13 verses. Let me catch you up. First, it saw the description of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But here's a practical application for faith. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of the circumstances or the consequences. So we obey God's word no matter what. Can I get an amen to that? I don't care what the world says. I don't care what they vote on. I don't care what the government tells us. We obey God rather than man. Amen? Amen. We submit to the authorities that are placed over us until they tell us to disobey God. So we see that faith is it's obedience to the word of God. It's stepping out in faith, being obedient to him, trusting his word no matter what the circumstances or the consequences. Then we saw that true faith produces actions. So there were 17 witnesses of one common faith. First, we saw faith worshiping. Remember Abel? He made a sacrifice. His brother Cain's sacrifice wasn't received because he did not obey God in the way that he had to bring the sacrifice. See, Abel brought an animal. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. And so the shed blood of the uh, bulls and goats always was pointing to Jesus. And so Cain brought, because he was a farmer, he brought grain, and it was not acceptable in God's eyes. Cain grew jealous, and he killed his brother. So here you have Abel obeying God, and it costs him his life. See, sometimes we need to recognize there's a false gospel that goes around. Come to Jesus, and you'll never have any more problems. 
The Bible says, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen? The difference is not that we don't go through trials, but then when we go through trials, we don't go through them alone. And God will use them for his glory, and he will mold us more into the image of our Savior. So suffering is never wasted, and it's always worth it. Amen? So we saw faith worshiping. Then we saw faith walking. It talks about Enoch walking with God. Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and there was no Bible yet, no pastor yet, no priest yet, and yet he walked with God. And God will meet people where they are, but again, Jesus is always the answer. But Enoch has such an intimate walk with God that God just called him up. You know, you and I are getting her so long, just get up here. Amen. He walked with God, and this is the answer when people say, what about the person on an island out in the middle of nowhere that has not heard the name of the Lord? We know there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. It's only Jesus, but we saw that Enoch got saved, and God can save them as well. And then we saw faith working. By faith, Noah built a boat when it had never rained. 120 years building a boat, being ridiculed every single day, being mocked every single day because he's building a boat when it never rained. He told them that water was going to fall from the sky. He did, they didn't believe it. They were, they were living in a time of wickedness and perversion. And praise God that he didn't wait to start building the boat. Can I get an amen? And as Christians, sometimes we put off what God has called us to do. And thankfully, when God told him to do it, he started doing it because when he finished the boat, the rain started to fall. If he had waited 10 years, he'd have drowned. Amen? So as believers, faith worshiping, faith walking, faith working. And then we began to look last week at faith waiting, waiting upon the Lord. And we saw uh, Abraham, God appears to Abraham and tells him that he's going to have a son. First, he told him to go out not knowing where he was going, and Abraham went. Too often we'll obey God if it lines up with what we want. Well, Lord, I'll obey you as long as I can live near the beach. I'll go out and minister. I'll do ministry, Lord. Malibu needs Jesus. I'm going to Malibu. You know, and we, and we have this mentality that we'll serve God as long as it aligns with us. And Abraham was told to go, and he didn't know where he was going, and he went anyway. And, and you know, that's called faith. Sometimes you don't get to see step 10 until you take step one. You know, the Jordan River didn't part until they put their feet in the water, and then it parted. Guys, we need to step out in faith and be faithful. Say, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever the question is, Lord, the answer is yes, I'm in. Amen? And then God told Abraham, you're going to have a son. Now, it says in the text that he is as good as dead. What a great way to be referred to by Almighty God. You know, and Sarah laughed. Sarah was 90. So you can imagine, you know, I remember I had a grandmother that lived to be 94. And if I went to her at 90 and told her she was going to have a baby, she'd have probably taken me to the hospital or something, right? But Sarah, in those days, it was a curse not to have children. And she was told that they were going to have a child. And you know what's amazing? Not only that they would have a child, but they would have that their descendants would number as the stars in the sky. And we know that through her, their line would come Savior. Amen? So this is where we pick up in verse 13. We've just seen, you know, the situation with Sarah. We're going to continue to look at faith waiting, but then we're going to look at, Lord willing, faith warring, faith winning, and faith willing to die. Some of you are already thinking, don't get to verses 36 to 38, because I'm not ready for that. We need to be willing to die for the cause of Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, the worst thing the world can do to me is the best thing that could happen to me. Amen? You can't threaten me with heaven. You take my life, I close my eyes on earth, and I open them up on Hallelujah Avenue in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? 
hanging out with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. This is why we should not walk in fear, but walk by faith. And we can only do that because we know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we serve a faithful God. Amen? All right, verse 13. We kind of looked at this, but we'll pick up there again. Verse 13 of, of Hebrews chapter 11. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. So all these people that made these stands had not seen the Messiah, had, never, had not met the Messiah. Now remind, remember, he's writing to the early church, and they all have seen the cross. They all have witnessed what Jesus did. They're all familiar with the resurrection. They've seen the answer to all the Old Testament prophecies. So all these people who are making these incredible stands for God had not seen Jesus, had not even known about the, the cross itself, had pictures of it, but didn't fully grasp it. And yet they remained faithful. How much more faithful should the first century church be having seen Jesus? How much more faithful should you and I be having the completed revelation in your lap right now? Amen? And so those remained faithful with so much less than what we have Today, at the end of that verse, it says there were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We talked about this last week. If you didn't know it, this is not our home. Can I get an amen to that? This is not our home. And aren't you glad? The Jehovah's Witnesses say they're going to inherit the earth. When I meet a Jehovah's Witness, I say, bro, you can have it. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Heaven is so much better. Amen? amen? Cannot wait to see our Savior face to face. Cannot wait. And by the way, don't heaven. One thing about heaven is there can be no sin. If you have one sin in heaven, you've got earth part two. Because it was one sin on earth that brought this mess. Can I get an amen to that? So there can be no sin in heaven, which means we're all sinners. So our sin must be redeemed, paid for, washed away. And that's why Jesus came. And we, may we never forget it. Amen? So they were pilgrims. They recognized. When you recognize this is not home, you don't invest as much in this as you do where your home really is. See, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, as Pastor Joshua said. And if your treasure's in heaven, if you have a heavenly focus, that's where your time, your priorities, your passions will be focused. We can get so caught up in the world that we miss out on being used for eternity. I've, I've shared this before. You've heard it said that someone's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I've never met that person. When I meet people who are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. They're so caught up in the things of this life that they miss out on being used for eternity. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. And because this is not home, they were seeking a homeland. Now they knew that they could go back to the place they had once inhabited, but they didn't go. Why not? Because they knew that wasn't home. And the same should be true for us, that we should find our peace and comfort in the fact that we're not home yet. Amen? I've shared with you this story before about a missionary. He, was in, he, he served in Africa for 50 years, and he came home. His wife died on the mission field. He comes home, and he's in a train. This is many years ago. And he's on a train, and, he's, and he sees this big crowd of people, and he thinks they're all there to welcome him home for being faithful for 50 years on the mission field. And then he finds out that the president of the United States was on the train, and they were there to welcome him. And then later when he got off the train, not one person was there to greet him. And as he was walking along, you know, the, the train station, he had tears in his eyes, and he felt the Lord say to him, son, you haven't been greeted yet because you're not home yet. 
Can I get an amen to that? See, we don't need the praise of men. We, here's what we want to hear. You ready? Here's, here's the best retirement plan ever, the best 401k in the history of the world. Well done, now good and faithful servant. It just doesn't get any better than that. Amen? And notice the word faithful is in there. We're talking about faith. Truly, they had called to mind that country. If they were more focused on where they came from instead of where they were headed, they would have turned back. And that's what was happening in the first century. A lot of them were being tempted to turn back because they didn't have a heavenly focus. They weren't focused on the work of Calvary. Instead, they were focused on, again, the religious rituals. And maybe some of you have come from that. You know, you went to a church that had a lot of rituals and a lot of family went there and it just felt comfortable. It was cultural and you got involved in it. And let me encourage you that churches don't save you. We are the church. Jesus saves you. Amen. And you don't put your faith in a church. You don't put your faith in rituals. You don't put your faith in your first Holy Communion or your last rites or anything else that's not in the Bible. Can I get an amen to that? So it's the word of God and the word of God alone and Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, where we find our hope and where we find our salvation. Look what it says here in verse 16. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I think of fewer things that would be more of a blessing than to know that the Lord is not ashamed of us. Can I get amen to that? We're not to be ashamed of the gospel. And because they had a heart and a passion for the things of this world, he's not ashamed of them. Here's the reality. What a, what a gracious God we serve. How many of you guys watched the, the Chosen, by the way? If you haven't, start watching it. It's fantastic. Can I get an amen to that? It's fantastic. But I just love, you know, Mary Magdalene. You know, she that's been forgiven much loves much. Amen? And we just see the grace of God. And you know what? And we're going to see in, in the rest of the text today... He, he remembers their faithfulness and forgets their failures. We're in God's hall of fame. We talked about this last week, right? The hall of fame here is the hall of forgetfulness, right? People never go there. They don't know where it is. They've never seen it. Why do we even care about it? Amen? But God's hall of fame or God's hall of faith is a picture of those who have surrendered their life to the Lord, but they're all fallible people. They've all failed throughout their lives. They're all sinners saved by grace just like us. But they're in God's hall of fame because God remembers their faithfulness while he chooses to remember no more their failures. And shouldn't that be an encouragement for all of us? Amen? Isn't it good to know separate your sin as far as the east is from the west and he chooses to remember it no more? But did Abraham blow it? What's the answer? He called his wife his sister twice. Tried to palm her off on the king because he was afraid because his wife would... She, she must have been really pretty because she's still pretty at 90. And he was worried that he would see his wife think she was so pretty and kill him. So he's like, no, she ain't my wife. She's my sister. He did it twice. <laughs> he didn't, was supposed to not go down to Egypt. He went down to Egypt. What does God remember in that hall, God's hall of faith? We're going to see the greatest act of love coming up here in a few verses. So faithless world focused, you know, if we're worldly focused, faithless people are worldly focused. And he is ashamed to be called their God. But those who have a focus on him he loves to be called their God. Look at verse 17. Faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. For me, this is the greatest act of faith in the Bible because I'm a dad. How many parents we got here? Okay. How many of you do anything for the Lord? Okay. 
After church today, I want you to take your son or your daughter. <laughs> and I want you to go up on, a mount, up on the mountain over here, bring a knife with you. I don't want you to sacrifice your child for Jesus. Okay, Lord, there's got to be another way. Amen. I feel I have a great deal of faith. I'm thinking, Lord, take me. My wife and I will both say, take us. Don't touch them. Amen. Isaac was the answer to prayer, and Isaac was the fulfillment of the one through whom, whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. So it makes absolutely no sense that God would tell Abraham to take this son that he gave birth to when he was, his wife gave birth to when he was 100 years old, and that he is the one, the promised one, and I want you to take him up, and I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, we know this is a picture of Jesus, because Isaac is going to willingly go with his father. We know from the text that he carries wood on his back. Picture of the cross, Jesus carrying wood on his back. And as he's walking up the hill with his father, he says to Abraham, you know, hey, dad, we've got the wood. We've got the makings for the fire. Where's the sacrifice? He tells him God will provide himself a sacrifice. Amen? And when he has his son laying down. I want you to understand this too. Most people think that Isaac was a child. He was not. Isaac was probably in his 20s or his 30s. And to me, it just makes too much sense. I think he was 33 years old. Now, why would that be? How old was Jesus when he went to the cross? By the way, this is the same mountain where Jesus was crucified. If you didn't know that. It's a God thing. Can I get an amen to that? And he comes up and, he, and he's got his son. So his son freely lays himself down. A 33-year-old boy could, uh, could handle a 133-year-old dad. Can I get an amen to that? But yet he freely lays himself down, just like Jesus did um, for the Father. Can I get an amen to that? And he's willing to be sacrificed. Only, only people ever being willing to be sacrificed that I know of in Scripture like this. I know that Jesus did not fight back when they nailed his hands. Everybody, else, If they're nailing my hands to a tree, I'm, 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 I'm going down swinging. Can I get an amen? But Jesus did not. Because it was not nails that held him there, it was his love for you. And so here's Isaac, and he lays, and, and Abraham's going through with it. And then the Lord stops him. Now I know that you will hold nothing back from me. And then we know that there's a, a ram caught in the thicket, and they sacrifice the ram instead. What a picture. Can I get an amen to that? And this is why Abraham's called the father of faith, because this is to me, one of the most difficult things. I, I, a lot easier. If the Lord said, look, I need you to go into that building, share Jesus with those people, and they're going to kill you when you're done, that is way easier than give me one of your kids. Can I get an amen to that? And yet he does it anyway. So while Abraham has failures, Abraham was also a man of great faith. He trusted even when his physical finite mind didn't understand. He could have said, wait a minute. You said that my ancestors are going to numbers the stars in the sky. If you kill my, that doesn't make any sense. And I truly believe that Abraham believed that if he sacrificed his son, that God would raise him from the dead. And you need to understand something. When Abraham did this, nobody had been raised from the dead yet. He would have been the first one, but he believed it. Guys, this is what we call faith. Amen. It's knowing what God has promised. It's trusting that God will fulfill it and not being shy to do whatever God calls you to do, trusting that in the end, his will will be done. Amen? Where's the wood? Where's the fire? And, 
And then they come back down the hill. I imagine how that conversation went when they got back to Sarah. How'd it go? Well, <laughs> you're taking my son nowhere else. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I could just see every mom in the world. It says there, and he who had received promises offered up his only begotten son. Isn't that interesting? That's the term in the word of God. The only begotten son. Who else does that refer to? Jesus. Carrying the wood up Mount Moriah, willingly laying down his life. The father holding, being willing to sacrifice his son. Guys, Jesus is all over the Old Testament. Amen? That does not point to Buddha. That does not point to Hare Krishna. That does not point to Joseph Smith. That does not point to any other dead false prophets. It, it points to the risen and living Savior, Jesus Christ, who triumphed over sin and death. Amen? The Bible fits perfectly, and Jesus is the answer. Look what it says there in verse 18. It said, of whom it is called in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith, Isaac passed down and blessed his sons, and he did this trusting that the promises God had made concerning the generations behind him would be fulfilled just as God had said. So it's a blessing to us to read the Bible and know that what God says in the word we can trust. We have seen the fulfilled prophecies, and there are still prophecies to come. Amen? By the way, if you didn't know it, Jesus is coming back. Can I get an amen? amen? And he's going to rapture the church beforehand, but he's coming back. And he came on a donkey last time. He's coming back on a white horse next time. Amen? And you know what? We will come with him, and we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years upon the earth. But, but if we die before him, we'll close our eyes on earth. We'll open them up in the glory. We're coming back with the Lord. Guys, it just doesn't get any better. And when you're bummed out about little things in the world, remember where you're headed, who your God is, that you're redeemed, you're forgiven, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. How does that compare to that little problem you got going on at work? Can I get an amen to that? So set your mind on the things above. Focus on that which is eternal. And he was able to bless his sons because Isaac, as he was dying, knew God's going to bless you. God's going to use you. Jacob's 12 sons are the children of Israel. And Jacob wrestles with God. And what's his name get changed to? Israel. So the blessing that he pronounced on his kids was fulfilled by the Lord. It says in verse uh, 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. You know, Christians die well. And uh, I'm blessed to have had a dad, uh, an amazing dad who was a pastor for 60 years. And I'm a PK that still loves Jesus. How about that? Can I get an amen? amen? Preacher's kids get picked on sometimes, but I'm a preacher's kid. My kids are preacher's kids and my grandkids are preacher's kids. So pray for the PKs. Can I get an amen to that? Three generations of planting Calvary chapels and we're blessed by that. But you know what? When my dad went to heaven, the last conversation I had with him was to tell him what a blessing he's been to my life. He was blind, he had dementia, and he was still quoting entire books of the Bible from memory. And I'm so thankful because my dad had told me repeatedly, he, you know, he left a church to come be my assistant pastor in Santa Cruz. My dad was setting up chairs and making coffee when we had 12 people in a, in a church plant. And he's the best Bible teacher I've ever heard in my life. And that humility and that passion for the Lord, I'm so thankful that I got to watch how a godly man treats his wife, how a godly man raises his kids, what a, how, how a godly man prays, how a godly man serves, how a godly man loves. And praise God for those who go before us that love the Lord. Can I get an amen? 
And he's leaning on his staff and he's blessing his kids because he knows the same God that's living within him is going to live in with them. Amen? Then it says there of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. This may seem odd to you, but Joseph is dying. Now, you guys remember Joseph's life. Here's another faithful man of God. But he remembered that he was the favored son. His dad was favoring him. And because of that, his brothers were mad at him. If you remember, his dad gave him a special coat. And, he, and Joseph even had a dream and said, I had a dream, you're all going to be bound to me. And that's usually real popular siblings. Can I get amen to that? And so he's, they're out hunting, and he's sent to go get his brothers, and they see him coming, and they were going to kill him. Reuben says, let's don't kill him, let's just throw him in a pit. Reuben thought he was going to come back and get him later. They threw him in a pit. They sold him to some traveling people who then sold him into enslavement again in Egypt. And so we see that here he was being faithful. His life seems to take a, a bunch of crazy turns, but we know that then he became, he became a, a servant in Potiphar's house, and he was such a faithful man that Potiphar made him second in his household. And then Potiphar's wife, what did she do? She tried to seduce him. And if you remember, what did he do? There's a good message for every man in the room. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Don't stand around and talk. Run. Can I get an amen to that? The lips of an adulterous woman drip with honey, but the path to her house leads to hell. That's in Proverbs. Amen? So don't be flirting. Don't be talk, don't, you don't talk to a woman any way you wouldn't talk if your wife wouldn't stand next to you and your grandkids weren't on your lap. Can I get an amen to that? Amen? And it proves to me that he was tempted because if she was, not, if she was ugly, he would just give me my coat. He didn't do that. He ran. He was falsely accused. He was thrown in prison. While in prison, he was elevated in prison because he was being so faithful in prison. Amazing. Amen. And then they came to him. He interpreted the dream about the famine. He basically saved the lives of all of Egypt. They made him a prince in Egypt. And sure enough, his own brothers came when they were starving and they bowed before Joseph, just like the prophecy was given. And then he called for his family. He fed them. But I want you to notice something. In speaking of Joseph, it doesn't talk about any of that. And all of that was very faithful, wasn't it? He was a man of faith when thrown in a pit. He was a man of faith when he was being a servant to Potiphar. He was a man of faith when he was in prison. He was a man of faith when he was serving as prince of Egypt. He was a man of faith when his family came back to him. But here's what he says. I don't want my bones buried in Egypt. I know what the word of God says. You're going to go back into the land of promise before this is over. And I want you to carry my bones and bury them there. Do you know that didn't happen for 1,500 years? But he, he said... When that happens, I want you to take my bones. That's a man who believes what the word of God says. Can I get an amen to that? He knows the promises of God. By the way, you can't know the promises of God if you don't read the word of God. Amen? amen. The Bible says we're desire the word of God more than our necessary food. If you open your Bible as much as you open your fridge, you'll be a spiritual giant much thinner. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so we need to spend more time in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so... Joseph is remembered because he trusted what the word of God said about the future. We need to do the same. We need to live. Could Jesus come back today? What's the answer? Could he rapture the church today? What's the answer? Yes. Absolutely. So we should live every day in light of that fact, recognizing that he could come. So Joseph, again, we see what he's remembered for. And again, this letter being written to the first century Jews is reminding them of the promises of God. Faith being passed down from one generation to the next, and we see how God, Isaac, 
blessed Jacob. Jacob uh, blessed his sons, and Joseph was used mildly by God. So now we're going to move on from faith waiting to faith warring. And in faith warring, we're going to see by faith standing for God even when you're outnumbered by the enemy. Do you know that you plus God is a majority? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? And often God will allow us to be incredibly outnumbered because when we're outnumbered to the point where we can't do it, then when it happens, God gets all the glory. Amen? Sometimes it's your finances. Sometimes it's a, a health situation. It's a, it's a prodigal son or daughter. It's something where you can't fix it. And you're on your face crying out to the Lord. And we get to see God show up. And when he does, he gets all the glory. Amen? Watch this. Look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. You might want to underline that pandemic. Can I get an amen? amen. Romans tells us to submit to the authority that God has placed over us until they tell us to disobey God and then we choose to obey God rather than man. And they were killing all the babies because they knew there was a prophecy that one of them might grow up to be a prince in Egypt when overthrow. It's a picture of what happened to Jesus many years later. And the parents didn't just kill their baby. They took him and they put him in what is really called an ark. And they, and they put him out into the water. And then he was discovered, as we know, by one of the princesses of Egypt. And then she literally brought her son back, brought Moses back to be by, nursed by his own mother. And that's a God thing. Can I get an amen? So we do obey you know, the police, that pull, the police officer that pulls you over, you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and especially because you know you speeded. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> and you know what we do when we're in authority, our boss at work, we do everything, we honor them and the way we respond to them until they tell us to do something contrary to the word of God. And then we not arrogantly or self-righteously just look at them and say, look, bro, I cannot honor that because I have to honor God above what you're telling me to do. Can I get an Amen. So you honor God, you obey God, and this is faith warring. Again, by faith, Moses, when he was born. Now, was Moses used mildly by God? What's the answer? Yes. So praise God for Amram and Josebed, that's his parents, because they did not listen to what the world said. They obeyed what God told them to do. God protected Moses, and Moses does become the prince of Egypt. Amen? And God used him mightily. And God had an even greater calling on his life because he became the deliverer of all of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And again, I'm sure most, most parents here would do the same. I'll pay, my ta pay your taxes, you're supposed to. Uh, but if you come after my kids, you gotta, you're going to see another side of Pastor Dave. I'm going to call Brett for help or backup. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, I'm going to honor the law till it tells me to dishonor God, and then I'm going to fight them hands with everything I've got. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, now be kind, be loving, be gracious, don't be self-righteous. Uh, we're not like those knuckleheads in Antifa. We don't do stupid things like that. Can I get an amen? But what we do instead is in a Christ-like way, we make a stand for the things of God. You know, the enemy is still going after your kids. Was it the enemy going after Moses? What's the answer? Was it the enemy going after Jesus when he was born and killing all the Jewish babies in that time? What's the answer? Still going after our kids. That's why this blesses me when I see our kids leading worship. Can I get an amen to that? I know no greater joy. I know my children walk in the truth. Abortion. Abortion is murder. 
every single time. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, let me say this. If you're a woman here and you've had an abortion, I want you to know that if you've asked God to forgive you, he's forgiven you, and you're going to see that baby in heaven one day. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. I always want to make sure there's grace for that, okay? It's not the unpardonable sin. But that being said, the enemy wants us to think that it's not a child. It's not a choice, it's a child. Can I get an amen to that? So the enemy goes after our kids. Kill your baby. Uh, why? Because it's inconvenient. It was unexpected. Kids are too expensive. We, like Moses' parents, must see how precious these children are in God's sight. Do whatever is necessary to protect them. By the way, if you have a baby and you don't want to keep it, give it to me. We will take it right now. Can I get an amen to that? And we'll have, a, we'll have a room full of people lining up to take your children and raise them in a godly home. Can I get an amen to that? So please don't. Other ways, a little more subtle, does, does the enemy use entertainment to draw our kids away from the Lord? Our youth pastor, Joshua, by the way, I didn't announce this, he was hired to be the campus pastor here at Hillcrest. <laughs> Yay God, amen? They just have no idea. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. So good. He calls this digital crack. Can I get an amen to that? Find out if it's digital crack. Take the phone away and see what happens. And here's the truth. If you left your phone at home and you were 10 minutes away from your house and you're on your way to work, would you go back and get it? Oh, we got some crack addicts and adults too. <laughs> but here's the reality. There are many things that the enemy used to attack our family and attack our children, and including entertainment. Be careful what you watch. Be careful how you spend your time. And again, if you have your kids in public school, because that's where you feel led to have them, God bless you. But understand, I would never let a guy down the street have 15 minutes with my kids teaching them you know, critical race theory or teaching them uh, about uh, uh, pornographic things or saying there's many genders or denying Jesus Christ or teaching evolution. I wouldn't give them 15 minutes, so I'm sure not going to give them eight hours a day. Can I get an amen to that? So be praying for, uh, and again, if you feel called to have your kids there and you're, 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 you know, you have to deprogram every day when they get home from school, but have them be salt and light on the campus. Amen. The enemy's going after our kids. They're going after the next generation. The, other, the third one is, is uh, not only entertainment, you know, music, video games, but also education, as we just talked about. So be careful. And again, the vast majority of high schoolers think that premarital sex, same-sex marriage, abortion, the whole transgender, the, all the genders, they all think it's okay because that's what they've been taught. And our kids need to know what they believe and why they believe it because at some point they're going to have to stand up for their own faith. Can I get an amen? So... Look what it says here of Moses' family. By faith, by, this is by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Hello, underline verse 25. If you have a Bible where you underline stuff, if that's one of the Bibles of ours, you're borrowing, underline it and keep the Bible. Can I get an Amen. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. This is what Satan does. Sin Is sin pleasurable for a season? What's the answer? Yes, yes it is. Or nobody would do it. If sin was lima beans, I'd be fine. Can I get an amen? <laughs> wouldn't touch it. Wouldn't be a problem. But Satan is always going to tempt you with that which brings pleasure to your flesh. Amen? But Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And Moses, as we know, was prince in Egypt. He made a conscious choice to be affiliated with God's people and endure the affliction that would come his way rather than be all but the king of the world, have whatever he wants. He walked away from all of that 
to follow God. Guys, some of us need to do that in this room. Amen? We're allowing this world, again, go to work, be the best worker in the building, uh, be a good neighbor, do all of those things. And he can't even have life and life more abundant. Have it. But that being said, we must never allow the pleasures of this world to become more important than our walk with God. Amen? And we need to, and by the way, some of you, you need to throw out your computer. Amen? <laughs> if this is Christian crack, that's Christian coke. I mean, that's, you know, Christian fentanyl. But here's the reality. We need to be careful because, you know, one of the things that the enemy does is all this stuff comes right into your house now. And a Christian man who would never go to a strip club or go down the street to a liquor store and buy a pornographic magazine, now it's just in his house when everybody's asleep. Amen? So anything that's a temptation, get rid of it. Sin is pleasurable for a season, and in the end it leads to death. And, and the grandson of Pharaoh left it all, the riches, the comfort, the power to be on the right side of God, even if it meant he was going to lose everything. See, these early Christians were tempted to flee persecution of obedience. They were being fed to lions. This, so this met, understand content. He's saying, look, he would rather be afflicted standing with God than have everything the world has to offer. And he's talking to these early Christians who were being concerned about being fed to lions or being you know, covered in pitch and set on fire by Nero and all those things that were taking place. And this is a perfect example of, guys, it's better to suffer for the cause of Christ than to have pleasure in the things of this life that are all perishing. Amen. Look what it says here in verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The word reproach there is really better translated cause. So let me read that again. Esteeming the cause of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The cause of Christ is greater than anything else this world has to offer. Amen. Moses walked away because he esteemed a right relationship with God far more valuable than anything the world had. Look at all these millionaires. They're trying to fly to the moon. They got, they're trying to do something. They got to find something that's going to bring them peace. Guess what? Getting to the moon or Mars isn't going to get it. You need Jesus, bro. Can I get amen to that? Can't write a check big enough. He came and suffered and died. You might have eternal life. There's, you know, you got this God-shaped vacuum. You fill it with money and power and pleasure and relationships and you know, drugs and pornography and all this other stuff, and your flesh will never be satisfied. Amen? We need Jesus. It says he looked to the reward. You know what that is? It's an eternal perspective. Do you ever think about the day you will stand before the Lord on Judgment Day? I do often. Imagine standing before, well, I won't be standing, I'll be on my face. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> right? And I kind of try to live my life backwards sometimes where I I imagine standing before him or on my face before him and, and him showing me other things I could have done had I just had more faith. And it will be too late then to change it. But it's not too late now. Can I get an amen? It's not too late now to, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, uh, Lord, I, I help my belief and help my unbelief. Can I get an amen? Lord, I, I need to believe more. I need, Lord, help me. And he will. Look what it says here. I love this. It says in 
27, by faith you forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See, the king is only great if your God is small. This is the same reason when David came into the camp and he saw 11 foot, 750 pound Goliath and everybody else cowering in fear, including King Saul, who was head and shoulders above everyone else, who had already been told his kingdom was going to be ripped from him because of his unfaithfulness and taking the praise of the priests and making sacrifices. And he had told him, so everybody was afraid. And King David is a shepherd boy who'd been anointed, but was still a shepherd boy. And he shows up. And when he gets there, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. Can I get an amen? And when he gets there, he doesn't see 11 foot 750 against a puny boy. He sees a puny man against almighty God. And he says, who is this? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against the shepherd boy? No, that's not what he said. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against almighty God? Can I get an amen to that? And see, the point is, if our focus is on the greatness of the enemy, we're going to be overwhelmed. If our focus is on the greatness of our God, we'll never be overwhelmed. Can I get an amen to that? And so here he is, he had this faith where he wasn't worried about the king. He knows who's on his side. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. By faith, Moses could walk away from the world and all it had to offer, live a, a life without fear, and again, how could he? Because he endured as seeing him who was, un, who was invisible. Seeing him. Faith is seeing the unseen. We talked about that. Faith is seeing the unseen, having confidence in the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look at verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. He made a public proclamation applying the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross. If you guys remember the deliverance out of bondage in Egypt that would take place, they took the blood of a lamb. They already had the locusts and all the other, you know, all the other. And I said, take the blood of a lamb and you need to bring it into your house and examine it for four days to make sure it's perfect. And now that you love it and you're hugging on it and you feel like it's a pet, I want you to kill it. And then you slit the blood of the lamb, and the, lamb, the blood of the lamb goes into a basin. But it wasn't enough for the lamb to die. The blood of the lamb had to be applied at the top of the doorpost, both sides of the doorpost, and the foot of the doorpost, the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross. Can I get an amen to that? Okay? So it's not enough for the lamb to die. The blood must be applied. It's not enough that Jesus died on the cross. It must be applied to your life. Amen? amen. You must repent of your sin and ask him to come and be your Lord and Savior. And so he was unashamed to continue to do Passover later on in life because he was not fearful of, the, of, the, of Egypt. He was not fearful of the king. He was faithful to God. Amen? And so he wasn't worried that they, because you know that so many Egyptians that came by, oh, look, they got blood on their doorpost. Go in and slaughter them. But he was more worried about being faithful to God, again, than being fearful of man. Again, these first century Jews, again, were being asked to do the same, to trust in the blood of the lamb, to deliver them from sin, to identify publicly with Jesus. See, that's what baptism is. It's an outward statement of an inward change, a picture of the fact that we died and are new creations in Christ. It's a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and we're dead to the person we used to be, and we're new creations in Christ. And what a blessing that 30 teenagers yesterday out at Zuma Beach got baptized in front of a big crowd because they wanted to let everybody know that they love Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? So praise God for that. Now watch what happens. 
He's being faithful. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. You know, sometimes we step out in faith, and then all of a sudden, it looks like things got worse. Because if you remember, they were, after the Passover, the Pharaoh just said, just get out of here. I've had enough trials, go. And after they've left, they come to Pharaoh, and who's going to build our bricks? And So now they send the army after them. And they're celebrating because they carried out stuff with them. They were no longer slaves after 430 years in bondage. And now as they walk out, they don't get very far. There's a hilltop on one side and on the other, and in front of them is the Red Sea, and here comes the Egyptian army and chariots. Chariots were the equivalent today of the best tanks ever. And here they come, the mightiest army on the planet, ready to slaughter them all. And the people began to murmur against Moses, did you just bring us out here to die? And see, guys, sometimes we need, our back, we need to be backed up to the Red Sea, which means in a position where it's impossible for us to fix it so we can see God do something great. Amen? So his back's to the Red Sea. The people are murmuring. And God tells them to hold up the staff. And when he does, the Red Sea parts, and they walk through to the other side. And I don't know if any of you guys knew the Pharaoh, Pharaoh song when you were in Sunday school. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you know, oh, let my people go. And then at the end of it says, and all of Pharaoh's people did the dead man float. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> so they walk through on the Red Sea and it collapses. And, you know, what's amazing is in the last 20 years or so, they have found fossilized chariots in the bottom of the Red Sea because my Bible is true. Can I get an amen to that? Then there's people that came out. I had a guy question me with this one time. He said, well, actually, it's the Reed Sea, and the Reed Sea is only six inches deep, so it was easy for them to cross over. I go, well, bro, that's a greater miracle because a bunch of chariots and guys drown in six inches of water. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> so you can't, you can't undo the word of God, amen? The word of God is true, and by faith, Red Sea at their backs, they trusted God. By faith, the Red Sea, they went across and all Pharaoh's people did the dead man float. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Verse 30. We'll go, we'll go till we run out of time. It's all good. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down when they were in circle for seven days. And now, again, talk about faith. Now, can you imagine you're at war with a mighty king? They have a fortress. You don't. You're outside. And here's the plan. Here's what I want you to do. Get the worship team. And I just want you to march around and blow trumpets and sing praise songs. Dude, you've lost your mind, okay? Oh, and by the way, the seventh day, I just want you to do it seven times. Can you imagine the mocking that came from the wall in Jericho? What are you doing, you bunch of dummies? All right, I mean, they're just mocking them from the, from the, from the wall. But God told them to do it, and they did it. Guys, sometimes God's going to direct you to do something that doesn't make any sense to you, but do not limit God by your finite mind. Amen? Amen. Trust that God is greater than anything you will ever comprehend, and God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I love that we, got kicked, we lost our building with very little notice that we were meeting in, in Calabasas, and we ended up here, and Joshua and I were talking about how God brought us here, and now he's working on campus. My wife's going to be working here. We got another teacher right there. Hey, praise God. Amen? God knows what he's doing. Like, if we're, if we're sitting here going, I don't understand. We don't have to understand. He understands. Can I get an amen to that? Oh, God, you got this. I'm good. I don't get it, but I don't have to get it because you get it. And here's the reality. I'm glad that I'm not, I'm, I don't serve a God that's so small I can fully get him because I'm not that smart. Can I get an amen? 
He's far great. We're all idiots compared to God. Let's just trust him. Amen. So Jericho had 30 foot high walls, 15 feet wide. They marched around it once a day for six days with the ark before them. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. Then the police blow the trumpet. The people shout. And what happens? Walls fell down. Didn't need a great army. Just needed faith in the Lord. Amen. I praise God for his grace. This is a man who by faith, God does the impossible. And you know what? When he does the impossible, he alone gets glorified. Amen? Joshua wasn't walking around going, what, what, a, mighty, what a mighty general I was. You know, no, no. He's like, dude, you didn't do anything, dude. We were singing. What are you talking about, right? God gets all the glory. And we should be in a position many times in our lifetime where we can't fix it. And God gets all the glory. They stepped out not knowing exactly what God was going to do, but they had been told what to do, and they faithfully obeyed God. Again, faith is not guessing God's will, but stepping out in obedience to God's word, regardless of the circumstances. Look at the next person. So that's, that's, Jared, that's Jacob, or Joshua, excuse me. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. What is a harlot? What is that? It's a prostitute. So here's a woman, and she's forewarned that the attack's coming. And Rahab, as we know, it says in Joshua 2.11, For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven above and the earth beneath. And he, that's what she says. And she protected the spies. She won her family to the true faith. And she obeyed God. Now, what's amazing about this is Rahab gave birth to a man by the name of Boaz. And Boaz married a woman by the name of Ruth. Ruth was sweet as honey butter. She was King David's great-grandmother. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> but that's another one of those kids. I have a rap. It goes through all the books of the Bible. Genesis, where it all began with Adam and Eve and Abraham. It's really good. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Kids who don't read Proverbs is dumb. Can I get an amen to that? So here's... So Rahab, I love Rahab because Boaz ends up being the kinsman redeemer and marries Ruth, and she's the great-grandmother of David, and Jesus is an ancestor of David. So here's a prostitute that trusted God and is in the lineage of our Messiah. Is our God a God of grace or what? And she trusted and believed when nobody else would, even though her past was a disaster. Here's the good news. He that's been or she that's been forgiven much loves much. Amen? Who's the last person at the cross and the first one at the tomb? Mary Magdalene. Been forgiven much and loves much. See, no one's so good they don't need to be saved, and no one's so bad that they can't be saved. Can I get an amen to that? So praise God for his grace, and Rahab is such a picture of that. Look what it says next. This is God's hall of fame right here. What shall I say for the time would fail me? He doesn't have time. Not that there aren't, there's so many more people could talk about. We'll go through these quickly. Gideon. You guys remember the story of Gideon? Gideon was an Old Testament judge. He had had victory over the Midianites, but then now he's, he's got a fight. It's 135,000 against 32,000. And God said, yeah, you got too many people. I mean, it's only four to one, and you might just think you guys are studs. So uh, let everybody know if they're afraid they can go home. So 22,000 went home. Now they got 10,000. 
10,000 gets 135,000. They're manning up. All right, Lord, we're in. You know what? You still got too many people. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to, everybody go over to the springs. If you've been to Israel, we go to Gideon Springs. And those who reach down with their hand and bring the water up and the ones who put their face down, send them home. They sent 9,700 more home. Now it's 300 against 135,000. And God says, all right, you're ready, go. And God brought victory. See, we need to be in a place sometimes where the numbers are so overwhelming, there is no way we can take the credit. Amen? If it had been 32,000, they could have been walking around, what studs we are, man. We did four to one. We knocked those dudes out. When it's 400 to one, yeah, no, not so much. That was God showing up. Can I get an amen? Gideon was a man of faith. Sometimes we need to be overwhelmed and outnumbered to see God work. Barak, he was an Old Testament judge. Deborah prophesied if he would step out, God would bring victory. I'll go if you go. And he stepped out and they won. The Bible says that one will chase 10,000. We too must learn to step out in obedient faith to enter into the battle. What about, look who's in here, Samson. <laughs> Who was here when we taught through judges? When I go to India, I just go to India and I teach up to a thousand pastors at a time how to teach the Bible. And a lot of them have Hindu names or Muslim names. And so when they get saved, they take Bible names. I had one class with 17 Samsons. I go, hey, guys, come here. Let me tell you the rest of the Samson story. He was God's anointed judge over all of Israel. He was going to be God's man. And what did he do? It even said that he was, had the Nazarite vow from before he was born. And from, from before he was not to touch not the dead, no dead things, right? No alcohol. Don't cut your hair. And that would be a, a, a significance to everyone around that he's a Nazarite. So what does Samson do? The first thing we see, we've been waiting for this judge, long time, decades. What does he say? Woman, get her for me. He man, she weak. Can I get an amen? And what do we see him doing? He goes to the land of the Philistines, the people he's supposed to kill. And he goes to a vineyard. He cuts through a vineyard on the way. He's not supposed to have any alcohol and no grapes. Because he, you know, God knows when he gave him the Nazarite vow. If we say no alcohol, they'll be stewing grapes and eating grapes, saying they ain't drinking alcohol. God, no, no vine, nothing. He's walking through a vineyard. He gets attacked by a lion. See, when, the Bible says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking who may devour. When does he attack you? When you're outside of God's will. Can I get an amen to that? So he's walking through the vineyard, he gets attacked by a lion, he tears the lion up, he goes down and sees a woman, he comes back, tells his parents he wants her. Then he's going back through the vineyard again, never learning, and he sees, he wants to go check out the lion he killed, and that's such a guy thing to do. Where's that lion I tore up? Check that out. So he goes and sees the lion, and what's in the belly of the lion? Who remembers? Honey. And he reaches down and he touches the honey. And what's interesting about that is, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it leads to death. He was not to have any alcohol, and he was not to touch any dead thing, but when he reached in to touch the honey that was temporarily sweet, he defiled himself before the Lord. See, sin is pleasurable for a season, and in the end it leads to death. And then we know the rest of the story of Samson, and there's, there's not just this first woman that he marries. He starts off by you know, talking about her being beautiful, and by, by the time he's done, he's calling her a cow because she uh, turned on him, and he's having a drunken rage with the Philistines he's supposed to kill. Now, again, this is another picture of how God chooses not to remember the frailties and remembers the faithfulness. 
Because what did Samson do after he became a glorified mule? His eyes were poked out, and he was, you know, it was a mule. And what did he do? Got a hold of the pillars, asked for God to give him strength one more time. He brought the pillars down and brought destruction upon the people he was called to destroy to begin with. See, our God's a God of love and grace because, again, he had failed for so much of his life, but it wasn't too late to be a faithful man of God. You may have failed most of your life. It's not too late to be a faithful man or woman of God. Can I get an amen to that? He can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. He brought down the pillars. He crushed the Philistines. And again, he took, it took his entire life to come to this point where obeying God meant more to him than anything else. Jephthah, who knows who Jephthah is? He was an Old Testament judge, illegitimate child, great stigma in that day, shunned by his own people, eventually goes into isolation. The Ammonites attack God's people. They cry out to Jephthah for help, and God used Jephthah to bring victory. Again, he's a picture of one who's rejected his people, but in time of desperation, cries out to God. And again, God uses him. You may have walked away from God for a period of time. Like Jephthah, you can come back. And notice, here he is. He's in God's hall of fame. Samson's in God's hall of fame. Some of the names make sense, because here we have David. But wait a minute. I'm kidding. My, my name's David. And I, when I hear about David and Goliath, I love that. When I was a little kid. David, fuck a lot. Like David, David. He committed adultery and killed somebody's husband. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> Amen. You don't really hear about, you hear about, you know, again, you hear about Bathsheba, but you hear about Goliath a lot more. Can I get an amen to that? And if I was David's pub dude, I'd be like, let's, let's pub him up the Goliath thing and let's not talk about. But here he was a man who was being used mildly by God. He was a man for God's own heart. He had slayed lions and bears while he was watching the sheep when no one's watching. He was worshiping when no one's watching. He fought Goliath when nobody else would. But you know what happened? He got lackadaisical in his walk with God. He, quit. he wasn't out in a battle anymore. He was asleep until the middle of the noonday sun while everybody else is fighting the wars. He's the king. He should be leading the way. He goes out at the end of the day. He looks out and he sees Bathsheba bathing and he takes her. And then she gets pregnant and he kills her husband to cover up his adultery. And then his own son gets taken as a consequence of his sin. But again, David's in God's hall of faith because God has forgiven his frailties, and he remembers his faithfulness. What a gracious God we serve. Amen. That should be an encouragement to every single one of us. And Samuel. You really got to love me some Samuel. Don't have time to go into it, but uh, I told you that I wake up every morning, and I'd raise my hand up, and i said, yes, Lord, your servant hears. That's how I begin every day. But I got it from Samuel. When God's calling his name and he thinks it's Eli and he keeps telling Eli and Eli says, no, that's the Lord. Just say, yes, Lord, your servant hears. And we saw that Samuel became a mighty man of God who, who was, his mom had prayed for his son. And then she was told she'd be given a son. He said, I will dedicate my son to the Lord. And she brought him back as soon as he stopped breastfeeding. He was probably three years old. And she gave him back to, a, to Eli, who was a horrible priest. And we see how Samuel is used mightily by the Lord. And, and Samuel too, is in God's hall of faith. Samuel is the one who anointed David king. Samuel is a, was a mighty and a faithful man of God. He was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets and one of the most godly and remarkable men, faithful in the midst of a faithless generation. He cried out. When they cried out for a king, he warned them. And it says there, and the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, and the list goes on. But I want you to know this. I truly believe that this list continues because men and women of faith 
are in God's hall of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by. You want to be a, a man or woman of God who would be mentioned if God would continue to write the Bible as someone who's a person of faith? Praise God, he'll forget your frailties. He's forgiven your frailties, and he still wants to use you going forward. It's not too late to be a mighty man or woman of faith. And again, faith comes when we spend time in the presence of God. Again, they were all faithful. Now, let's faith warring. Look at this. This will go quickly. Look what it says. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Because of their faith, they were able to step out and do the impossible. Because of their faith, they did not fade and they did not faint in the day of adversity. One of my sons has that proverb on, tattooed on his arm. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And so when we, have, when we are people of faith, you know, you plus God is a majority, and God desires to do great and awesome things. Subdued kingdoms, that's David, Joshua, King Asa, Jehoshaphat, King Hezekiah, King Josiah, some who worked righteousness, Elijah, Elisha, all the prophets of God, King Josiah, Asa, Jehoshaphat. They rose up against idolatry and corruption. Some have obtained promises. Caleb, Gideon, Barak, Abraham, Moses. Some of those have stopped the mouths of lions. We know certainly Daniel, but I also believe David when he was protecting the sheep. Some have quenched the violence of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who doesn't love those brothers? Come on. Everybody bow when the music plays. No. Everybody bows, standing. And they were advisors to the king, to the, right? Amen? King Nebuchadnezzar. So they drag him in. Nebuchadnezzar is about to pop a head gasket. I, I, when I read the Bible, I just envision every character and what's going on. In, in the, and I can just see Nebuchadnezzar with that big crown on his head and that 90-foot statue of himself that he just built because he's not into himself at all. Amen? <laughs> and he does not like anybody resisting him. So you bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in and said, hey, the music played. I'm going to play it again. If you bow, you'll be fine. If not, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Oh, you're not too arrogant, are you? And I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The response was, God will deliver us, but even if not, we're not bowing. And I can just see, can't you just see the, the veins popping in <laughs> In Nebuchadnezzar's head. You know what he says? Heat it up seven times hot. How hot does fire need to be to burn you? But he's making a point. And it's so hot that they bind him up and they take him up. And when they open up, so the way that it's really built, they enters from the top and you can see him through the side. They drop him in through the top, all bound. And it's so hot when they open the doors to drop him in, it burns up all the soldiers. They all die. And the king Nebuchadnezzar said, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? He's looking in, and what does he see? Three, not, not bound and, and burning up to a crisp, but loosed and walking around, and a fourth one's in there with them. And who was it? Well, the likeness of the Son of God. And then they had to be called out of the fire. Who is the God that will deliver you? Come out, come out, you servants of the Most High God. <laughs> see, when we're, when we're obedient, God is glorified, and we get blessed. Can I get an amen to that? And they had to be called out of the fire. You know why? It's better to be in the fire with Jesus than out of the fire without him. Can I get an amen to that? See, it's so much better. And here's these guys who quenched fire. 
And they'd come out, they'd, they'd come out like, ah, they'd just they would walk right out. King's on the ground. Who's the God? Come out, come out, you servants of the Most High God. We need some Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego today. Can I get an amen to that? Some who escaped the edge of the sword. David escaped both from Goliath and Saul. Moses escaped from Pharaoh. Elijah escaped from Jezebel. If you've been coming to 2 Kings. Some who out of weakness were made strong. Sarah, Gideon, Abraham, Esther, King Hezekiah. Some of those became valiant in battle. King David, King Asa, Jehoshaphat. And some of these women received their dead to life again. Look what it says in verse 35. Women who received their dead to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might attain a better resurrection. There were moms that had their children raised from the dead. The widow at Zarephath, the Shunammite, Shunammite woman. But notice it says of these people that they would not accept, they were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. When they were being tortured, they could have denied the Lord and be let go, and they would not stop. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bow, and we won't throw you in the fire. You got to throw me in the fire then. Because telling a Christian to stop honoring God is like telling him to stop breathing. Can I get an amen? Telling him to reject the Lord is not something he will do. Why or she will do? Because again, we can't but worship our Savior. I'm over, but I'm going to finish three verses. Are we okay? See, if you say no, I'm going to say, what is your faith? Come on. Right, amen? <laughs> I mean, they fought lions. You can hang for three more minutes and some, some soft chairs. Can I get an amen? Look at verse 36. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings and, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. Not the kind of stone you think. They had rocks thrown at them. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and torment, of whom the world was not worthy. How does God feel about those who stand for him when nobody else will? God says, of whom the world was not worthy. They were, they were willing to suffer and die in this temporary life because they had to focus on eternity. Amen? Contrary to what you know, the name and claim it people would say, notice that those used mightily often suffer greatly in the Bible. Amen? They were tortured. That's a word in the Greek language to be beat with a stick or a baton. And they're waiting for a better resurrection. That's the resurrection that is to come that we serve a risen living Savior. They had trials of mocking. Isaac endured a cruel mocking of Ishmael, and Samson was mocked at the feast of the Philistines. The chains and imprisonments. Joseph was cast into prison for his faith. The evil king Ahab imprisoned the prophet Micah. They were stoned. Zechariah was stoned to death between the altar and the temple, and Naboth was stoned to death by Jezebel's henchmen. They were sawn in two. According to reliable tradition, Isaiah was sawn in two and killed, and they were tempted how does being tempted compare to these other persecutions? Some have thought the text was corrupted here, but the writer to the Hebrews originally said they were branded or burnt alive or mutilated or strangled, and yet they would not turn away. They were slain with a sword. Remember the 85 priests, if you were here going through kings with us? They killed 85 priests in one word. They went out and slaughtered them all. Wandered about in sheepskins. That's Elijah. We know that's later with John the Baptist, of whom the world is not worthy. The world is not necessarily friendly to people of faith. If you're a man or a woman of faith, the world will not typically be friendly toward you. Amen? Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and all, say all kinds of evil against you. For my name's sake, for so they did the prophets who went before you. So, in closing, God's Hall of Faith. We saw the description of faith. 
We saw that true faith produces an action. Faith worshiping, faith walking, faith working, faith waiting, faith warring, faith winning, and faith willing to die. What are you willing to die for? There's quite a few things I'm willing to die for. But on the top of that list is my relationship with... I, you know what? I, I can say this with all transparency. I'd die for anyone, anybody in this room without even thinking about it. You know why? Heaven's better anyway. I get the better in the deal. You get to stay here, I go to heaven. I'm good. Can I get amen to that? We'd die for my kids, my grandkids. I mean, I just, we just would. But heaven's better. But praise God that again... We can have that faith because we know that there's nothing the world can do to me. The worst thing the world can do to me is the best thing that can happen to me. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace, your infinite mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we've been forgiven and redeemed. We thank you, Lord, that you're mindful of not our failures because you've forgiven us and separated our sin as far as the east is from the west but you're mindful from the moments when we were faithful. Help us to be faithful. Lord, we can't do this. Without you, we can do nothing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, help us. Be unashamed of the gospel. Help us to stand when nobody else will. Help us to love people that need to be loved on. Lord, when someone needs a hug, use our arms. When someone needs a word of encouragement, use our lips. May we be salt and light. May we glorify your name. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said... Amen.